night. Well, if you have your Bibles, let's turn to Psalm 66. Psalm 66. We're back into the question of of prayer after uh, taking a break to look at the gospel home. Uh, Now we're back into what we've been looking at this this, uh, sort of walk through a a biblical prayer. Because as we talked, a lot of people think a lot about prayer. We've got a lot of ideas about prayer. Tons of books on prayer. um, But not a lot of just stuff that's just straight out of God's word. So if we want to get to the basics of prayer. And I mean, as you can say, the basics and the expert levels of prayer. They're all going to run from scripture. We, We started walking through. Okay, what does the Bible teach us? about prayer. So when God's trying to teach us about prayer, what is it trying to show us? We saw that prayer just at its most basic level is asking God to do something. That's what the word prayer means. It's a, when we pray, that's a Hebrew word, the Greek word, the English word, they all come back, the Latin word, they all come back to the word to ask. And so we saw that in the Bible to pray, when you read that word in your scripture, it's going to revolve around asking God to do something uh, for us. We saw that's one of the greatest blessings that God can give uh, to his creatures, especially sinful fallen creatures, is the ability to to go to him and ask a request uh, of your creator, uh, the one you, you even sinned against. And then we saw that there are things the Bible says that can hinder our prayers. There are things that the Bible says specifically, we can all come up with things that can hinder prayers, right? Like, oh, I think this hinders prayer and that. But there, we look at three things that the Bible specifically says are a hindrance to prayer. We looked at, uh, remember, it was that prayer ADD. It just happened to work out that way. We could have made it DAD and it would have been prayer dad. But I felt like that would have been really bad for the fathers. Uh, we looked at abundance. We looked at uh, disobedience. We looked at doubt. That The Bible says any of those things uh, will stop us from even beginning to pray. So they will keep us from praying. Prayer, this great, this great gift from God, what would keep us from using it? The Bible specifically mentions those three things as things that keep us from even going to the Lord in the first place. And now, though, now, uh, even as we go to the Lord, we're looking into the question of how do you do that? So there's hindrances to prayer. We, we need to pray. It's this great blessing. So now we, we ask like the disciples did, Lord, teach us to pray. And what's the first thing that Jesus taught his disciples about prayer is how not to pray. Uh, the very first thing he tells them uh, in teaching about prayer, the very first thing he teaches in Matthew chapter 6 is all the ways and things to think about about how you should not pray. And so we've been looking at uh, the first thing we looked at in Matthew uh, 5 was, uh, or Matthew 6 was uh, praying uh, in front of others in, in order to be heard by them, being someone who likes to, you know, that temptation to I'm going to pray out loud and that's going to make me look really spiritual. So the danger of praying with your mind on others. Uh, and specifically, Scripture mentions that's a temptation for, those, for people who want to pray out loud. But we also recognize that's sometimes a temptation for why we don't pray out loud is our minds are on others. We're not like, no one's like, I really hate to pray out loud. Why? I'm talking to a holy God and that's amazing. And I'm just too trembly to do that. Like I read Isaiah six. I'm like, woe is me. No, it's normally like this person next to me might think I'm weird. Uh, and so we won't pray. So our minds are on them, not on the Lord. So that was, uh, don't pray with that. Don't pray. The next thing Jesus warned about was don't pray long prayers uh, in order to impress God. Uh, or to impress others. And we saw that how the Lord's Prayer is actually an example given to us of a short good prayer. I mean, you can pray the Lord's Prayer if you barely know it uh, in under 10 seconds. And that's the model prayer. You know, model prayers is going to take you uh, 
less than 10 seconds. And that's what Jesus was trying to teach them in that is, is don't be praying these long prayers with these multiple words that are actually really pagan because they think that you've got to motivate God to action by repeating the same things uh, over and over, the same words. Um, then we looked at the danger of, of doubting prayers, praying with doubt. We went to the book of James for that. Uh, then we, as James chapter 1, we looked at James chapter 4 for another on prayer uh, when we saw praying for the wrong reasons fights and quarrels and all that breaking out among us because because we're not praying and even when we do pray we pray for the wrong reasons we ask for the wrong things our prayers are worldward rather than godward uh and so that that is another way not to pray with your mind on the things of the world on your passions your desires your wishes uh instead of on on the lord now we've got one final thing about how not to pray one final example given in scripture of ways that the bible says okay don't pray like this and then next week lord willing uh will and the creek don't rise we'll get into uh we'll get into how to pray when we'll actually start walking through the lord's prayer and it will take us longer than 10 seconds so i'm a little bit of a hypocrite uh it will take us longer than 10 seconds to walk through the whole thing because it is so so rich and i think that's one of the things god is teaching us is in this really short prayer it's going to take you less than 10 seconds it's going to be packed with good jewels, uh, theological jewels. And so um, hopefully we'll be able to do that uh, uh, next week. Uh, But today, the last thing we're going to look at is the question of sin-stained prayers. Sin-stained prayers. So how not to pray? Don't pray prayers that are stained with sin. Now we talked about, we, we just mentioned it, the danger of disobedience, that sin will keep us from praying, but it doesn't always keep us from praying. Uh, sometimes we'll pray to God even while still recognizing and keeping and hiding our sin. Uh, so we do, it's not like we, you know, confess all our sins and then we pray. Sometimes disobedience keeps us from praying. Sometimes sin keeps us from praying. But other times we'll walk boldly to prayer while still holding on to sin. We will pray while still stained with uh, sin. We're going to pray with sin-stained hearts. And we see the danger of this in Psalm 66. So let's stand in the honor of reading God's word. We're going to read verses 16 uh, through verse 18. And then, uh, and then we'll, walk through, uh, we'll walk through this danger and how you can, how you can avoid it and, and fix it. Let's pray. Or let's read and then we'll pray. Come and hear all you who fear God. And I will tell you what he has done for my soul. I cried to him with my mouth and high praise was on my tongue. If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. Let us pray. Father, we come to you and I pray that God, none of us are cherishing iniquity today. I pray that we are people who are fixing our eyes on you and not on our sin. And that, God, we would be loving you above all things, that we would truly be here worshiping you. And that means hating our sin. Help us to hate our sin and love you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, so let's, let's look at verse 18, because that's the meat of this question about how not to pray. He says, if I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. So you've got the psalmist. The psalmist is crying out to God. He's even, even praising God. I cried out to God with my mouth. High praise was on my lips. But he knows. 
even if praise is on his lips, even if he's crying out to the Lord and doing so, really lifting him up, like really buttering up his prayers here. If he is, if he is just, you know, filling his lips with, with high praise, he knows if, even if he's doing that, if he cherished iniquity, the Lord would not have heard him. The Lord would not, and again, we know, we looked at this before, when it says the Lord will not listen or the Lord will not hear, it doesn't mean that the Lord's not aware of these things. This is not something that escapes his omniscience. This isn't a hole in the question of God's omniscience. Like, oh, that was a sinful prayer, so God never heard it. He didn't even know what happened. The idea there and and what he says in all these things contextually is that he's not going to do something. He's not going to answer that prayer. Now, so, so today we're looking at how not to pray. Don't pray cherishing iniquity in your heart. Don't pray, uh, as, as we word it, don't pray sin-stained prayers. And we'll see, we'll see what we're talking about with sin-stained uh, in just a little bit. Now, this idea that there are prayers that God does not hear is not something new in Scripture. This is not something new that the psalmist is pulling out. And when the people were singing the psalms and their version of Zach was, was Zach, the son of Asaph, uh, was, or son of Korah, uh, was, was leading them. They got to Psalm 66 and they're singing that. And they're like, wait, wait, wait. What do you mean there are prayers he doesn't hear? Like, this is not something new. Uh, we know. Okay, so we know. What do we know about our salvation? We know that our righteousness does not come from us. That it comes from Christ. That Christ has made us righteous, that he has made us holy ones. Remember, that's what the word saints means. That's what the word sanctification means, your holification. But those who do not know Christ, those who have not been saved, they remain unrighteous and their prayers are not heard by God. So, for example, Job 27 verses 8 and 9 says, For what is the hope of the godless? When God cuts him off, when God takes away his life, will God hear his cry when distress comes upon him? Again, so, the, so the godless, the unrighteous, what we would sometimes call the lost, that God does not hear their cry, that things are coming down, things are, things are happening, the Lord is, is sort of is cutting them off, ending their life, uh, punishing them in some way. Uh, and even if they cry out to God, God is not going to hear their cry proverbs chapter 15 verse 29 says the lord is far from the wicked but here's the prayer of the righteous so here we have some really good hebrew parallelism here right so we've got the lord at the end of that the lord hears the prayer of the righteous but is far from the wicked implying what far from their cries so the lord is so in other words when the wicked pray the lord's far away from that He's not hearing their cries. But when the righteous pray, when the righteous cry out, the Lord answers them. He hears their prayer. Psalm 18 talks about God rescuing, uh, rescuing his people from the hands of their enemies. And Psalm 1841, it says the, the enemies here that God is, is, is punishing for daring to mess with his people. It says they, that is the enemies, cried for help. But there was none to save. They cried to the Lord, but he did not answer them. 
to the enemies of God's people, the enemies of God, ultimately God's anointed. This is David talking about his enemies, including Saul, going after the Lord's anointed. So it's got multiple implications, both for the Messiah and for his people. Uh, And it says that the enemies of God's people cry out, but they don't have anyone to save them. Just like they didn't have anyone to save them when they climbed out to Baal and to Asherah, there was no one there, no one paid attention. That one not paying attention is actually going to be the Lord God sometimes. But not because he, like, Baal was relieving himself or busy doing something else, but because of their sin, because of their wickedness. This was, this was again, became such common knowledge that, remember, in John chapter 9, by the time you get to the New Testament, what do even, what does everyone know? John 9, 31 says, we know that God does not listen to sinners. But if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. So that's showing by, by John 9, by the New Testament, this is, this is like stuff you learn in Torah school type stuff. This is what everyone knows. We know God doesn't, God's not just up there like some sort of divine genie where it is his obligation to hear whatever any wicked person uh, prays. This is, again, why it is a blessing to us as believers that God opens the way for us to pray and for him to hear our prayers. Uh, That's one of the blessings of being his children. And so we know the Bible teaches that there are prayers that God does not hear, that he does not like, and he does not like, does not listen, does not hear, does not respond to the prayers of the unrighteous. Now this extends though. God extends this even to his people sometimes. So that the Bible tells us God also doesn't hear the prayers of his people when they are living in unrighteousness, when they are willingly living in sin. So this is like the, this would be like the Old Testament example of reading Romans 2, 1 and 2 and going, yeah, right. That's right, you bunch of Gentiles and getting to Romans 3 and being like, ooh, this is it. So this would be like, yeah, God doesn't listen to the prayers of the unrighteous. And we're here going, yeah, that's right. You bunch of folks out there. Uh, He doesn't hear your prayers. But now then we're going to see, you know, God sort of taking the text to the, to the Israelites and saying, hey, look in the mirror. Look in the mirror. And that's what we see. So Isaiah 59, Isaiah 59, verses 1 and 2, says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, or his ear dull that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. So, so, God's, so the picture in Isaiah 59 God's people are are oppressed. This is like a repeat of the Exodus story, right? God's people are oppressed. Their enemies have beaten them. They're being enslaved. They're being cast out of the land. All these things. This is like like a perfect chance for one like Moses to rise up and the Lord to hear their cry. And so they're crying out to the Lord. But they cry out and Isaiah 59 says, but God didn't do anything about it. Why? Why? Well, Isaiah 59 makes it clear. It's not because he can't. It's not that his arm is so short that it cannot save. It's not like God's like, I can't reach Assyria. Babylon is too far away. His hand's not so short that it can do that. It's not like the, the foreign gods and their demonic powers behind them are all of a sudden more strong than the Lord. It's not that his ear can't hear their cries. It's not like, well, oh, no, Second Chronicles said, if my people are called by my name, we'll pray in this place. 
you know, and it's got to be in the temple and we're not in the temple so he can't hear our prayers. It's not that his ear can't hear you. It's because of your sin. It was because of their sin. He actually hides his face from them. He hears the prayer. His arm can do it and he hides his face and he doesn't listen to them. Isaiah chapter 1 verse 15 explains this a little bit about what was going on. It's a, and the same thing, it, so it's by the time he gets to Isaiah 59, they should have known already that their prayers weren't going to be heard. Uh, Isaiah 1 15 says, when you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. So, I mean, what's, what's going on? I mean, it's interesting in in Isaiah 1 God's people's hands are actually literally filled with blood right but the blood of the sacrifices that they're making so they're coming they're making these the, the they've got hands filled with blood from all the sacrifices that they're doing they're spreading out their hands saying Lord look what we've done for you look what we're giving up we're we're worshiping you this is remember where God's saying I hate your feasts I hate your sacrifice I hate these things uh, and they're coming and they're saying look what we've got probably really proud that their hands are really bloody. Look how much I've given you. And he says, your hands are full of blood, but not the blood of your sacrifices, but the blood of your sins. And so even though you make many prayers, I'm not going to listen to you. So these are God's people. This isn't Gentiles. This isn't the ethnos here. This isn't the goyim. This is the people of God. And he tells the people of God who are at their version, we would say, of church. A more intense church than we have. Zach's not like, let's sing Psalm 23. Everybody stand and bring your lamb, you know, uh, and I want to hear your voices and I want to see how red your hands can get. Uh, That's not what's going on. They're, They're doing those things. And yet God says, I'm not hearing your prayer it doesn't matter it doesn't matter you lift your hands you can make many prayers and i will not listen because your hands are full of blood and he's just described in psalm in isaiah chapter one all of the sins that they are committing micah chapter three then they will cry to the lord but he will not answer them He will hide his face from them at that time. Why? Because they have made their deeds evil. Again, the same thing. The same thing. Because their lives are full of sin, are full of evil, God will not hear their prayers. He will, again, hide his face from them. This is the scary reality of the hidden face of God. This is like a good Puritan paper bag. And so that's what we want to look at today. That was introduction. The, the, we're going to look at the danger of sin-stained prayers. So, right, if God doesn't listen to the prayers of the unrighteous, and if he doesn't listen to the prayers even of his righteous people when they are living unrighteously, we want to see the danger of sin-stained prayers for our lives, how not to pray. Don't pray holding on to your sin. We're going to see how we can avoid those types of prayers. And then what we can do if we look and say, that's kind of what I've been doing. How do I correct that? 
How do I make sure that, that I'm not praying with sin-stained uh, prayers? So first, let's look at what's so bad about sin-stained prayers. And we, we kind of looked at it. It's like you just listed a lot of bad. I feel like that was enough bad. Uh, all the things that you listed. But we'll, we'll look at a couple, a couple things. One, sin destroys the blessing that prayer is for God's people. And we saw this when we looked at the life of the people of Israel. They've got this chance to talk with the one true God, all these other people and all these other nations. They're praying too, but they're praying to gods that remember in Isaiah, uh, uh, in 1 Kings 18, gods that aren't real, gods that aren't listening. Isaiah's going to talk about this. Just, I mean, you read the book of Isaiah and you, you get all these mocking of these idols. Uh, so you've got all of this going on. You've got all these nations praying to things that aren't real. Here's the Israelites. They've got a real God that they can really pray to. And their sin is creating a separation between them and the one true God. And one of the greatest blessings that they can have, which is that that one true God, be a father to them, will take care of them, will hear them, will rescue them, will redeem them. And their sin has separated them from him. So that he now hides his face from them. And one of the greatest blessings of the Christian life is for God to hear us. So this idea is picked up again in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13. Verses 13 through 15, actually. He says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is the confidence that we have toward him. That if I ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we've asked of him. So in Christ, we've got eternal life. I want you to know that you've got eternal life. And the one thing he picks out about that eternal life that is so great is he says, not only do you have eternal life, you've also got an eternal audience. You've got an eternal audience with God who's going to hear you. If you ask anything according to his will, he's going to hear you and he's going to do it. You've got not, not just eternal life, not just a God who, who saves you. And it's like, just like wine jumps and says, okay, I'll see you in heaven. But a God who saves you and then listens to you and cares for you, not just under the name father, but like a father. Actually, more like a father than any father you've ever had before. For he is the ultimate father upon which all other fathers were based. He says, you actually have this father who's going to listen and do whatever you ask if you ask according to his will. Whatever you ask, you're going to be heard. But we've just seen. And so take that and then rewind that back through what we saw in Isaiah chapter 1, in, in, in Isaiah uh, chapter 59, in, in Micah chapter 3. Like all those, the steel, it sends steals all of that. That alone would be enough for us to for us to investigate our hearts before we ever before we ever prayed and really in every moment of every day to say I, if sin steals that I don't want a single drop of sin in my life because that is so great it is such a blessing why how I mean we don't even need we shouldn't even need the rest of these points to know if sin steals that from me, that great blessing, how can I ever sin? And if I do sin, how is it that I don't immediately repent the next second? And even more so, how when I don't repent and the Lord in his grace convicts me even later, how do I still hold on to it? If sin does that. Sin robs us of that blessing of prayer. The other thing of why is sin so bad is that God ignores our prayers when we ignore our sin. 
God ignores our prayers when we ignore our sin. If we go back, let's go back to Psalm 66, verse 18. and let's, Because I think this is, the, in many ways, the most clear and, and helpful on, on what does it mean to have sin-stained prayers. What's going on? What's happening? Does it just mean if there's any sin in my life and I'm praying that, that, it, that any time I've got any sin that, that God's just not hearing it, it's going to create all this anxiety? I think Isaiah, or Psalm 66 really lays it out clearly. Verse 18, he says, If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. Well, what does that mean? Well, the word, the word cherish there is really just a really common Hebrew word that just means to see. It just means to see. And actually, I think understanding that that's the word that it is, not in some crazy form, it doesn't have some crazy uh, influence, uh, ex- not, not exegetically, but linguistically tied around it, you could actually translate it, if I had seen iniquity in my heart. And I think that's actually really helpful because it shows, it's not really, in other words, this isn't really a word for affection because what we can do is we can make this about affection. And we can make it about, okay, I've got sin, but I don't like it. And I see that sin, but I wish it wasn't there. Now, this this isn't saying that you can have sin, but as long as you hate it, like that dog your kids just left at your house and won't come back and get up, pick up or something like that. Like this this isn't just about as long as you don't love your sin, you can have it and still be okay. He's saying, look, if, if, if I had seen sin in my heart. So, so I think two things are going to be important. If I'd seen sin, if I'd cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. Two things that are important in understanding uh, really the, the danger of sin in our hearts when we pray. Two things that, that I think this helps clarify. One is who is the one seeing? Who is the one that sees? Who's seeing? This is simple. This is I. I am seeing. That's right. Uh, you are. So you are, in other words, this does not say, because it's going to help deal with some undue anxiety we sometimes have with prayer and sin. It doesn't say, if the Lord had seen iniquity in my heart, he would not have listened. It says, if I had. In other words, this is not about us mining or looking for some unknown sin and, and that, that God sees and, and you don't. And so he's not hearing because there's this sin you don't even know about. And so you're trying to pray. And this is, I've seen this temptation. We see the dangers of sin in our prayers. It's like, well, is there ever any time that I could pray that there's not some sin that God sees that I don't? So should I ever even be praying? Does God ever even hear? The context of this verse is if I had seen iniquity. If I had seen it, this is known sin. This is perceived sin. You are aware of it. This is not about hidden sin. This is about the exact opposite of hidden sin. This is about sin that's not hidden. This is about sin you know. You know is going on. You know that you've done or that you haven't done. And where do we see it? So that kind of helps us to see. It's about us seeing sin. Where do we see it? In my heart if i had seen iniquity if i had cherished iniquity in my heart in other words this isn't just about sins that you've done so if that one kind of lessened the blow a little bit right this one kind of brings it back and chimes it again it's not just about sins that you've committed uh externally this is about sins in your heart this is heart level stuff this is about this can be about sins that that no one but but you and god know about 
So it's not just like, okay, I sinned, I said something I shouldn't say, and I didn't apologize for it yet, or I didn't do this. No, this is about if you see sin anywhere, even, even deep in your heart, and you see it, no one else knows about it, no one else even knows, no one has a clue that it's there. But you do. You see it. That's a problem. So what is this sin-stained praying? I think a good synopsis of what does it mean to to pray sin-stained prayers is for you to see sin in you, for you to see the sin, and then do nothing about it. And yet turn to the one you've sinned against and ask him to do something for you. These types of prayers are going to come unanswered, which isn't crazy. It's not crazy that God wouldn't answer those prayers. That's actually what you've done to God, isn't it? God is the one who shows us our sin. He has shown you your sin and we've turned a deaf ear to his conviction. He said, hey, child of mine, have you noticed this about your life? Have you seen this? And we see it. And we know what we should do with it. We should confess and repent. And obey. But what do we do? We turn a deaf ear to it. And then we're shocked that he goes, now if if you do that to me, I'm going to do it to you. If you see sin and don't do anything about it in your life, you can listen to my conviction. So if we don't listen to God, do not expect him to listen to us. That's what, that's what sin-stained prayer is. Us seeing sin, God convicting us of sin, God telling us, here's sin in your life. Do something about it. And us going, no. And then going, hey, but God, while you're here, while I've got you on the line, you know, how about you do this for me? And he's like, no. So sin-stained prayer is, is when, when God ignores our prayers when we ignore our sin. And building on this, sin-stained prayer is a form of hypocrisy. I mean, it's, it's really being a hypocrite to do these things. God's told us what to do. Do this for our good, for his glory. We don't listen, but then we turn and, and, and we tell him what, what we want him to do for our good. And we expect him to do it for us. Let's look at an example of this in Zechariah chapter 7. Here's more of a story form of an example, verses 8 through 13. And the word of the Lord came to Zechariah saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Render true judgments, show kindness and mercy to one another, do not oppress the widow, the fatherless, the sojourner, or the poor, and let none of you devise evil against one another in your heart. So that's what the Lord said. But what does it say happened in verse 11? But they refused to pay attention and turned a stubborn shoulder and stopped their ears so that they might not hear. They made their hearts diamond hard, lest they should hear the law and the words that the Lord of hosts had sent by his spirit through the former prophets. Therefore, great anger came from the Lord of hosts. As I called and they would not hear, so they called And I would not hear, says the Lord of hosts. And so look here at the the hypocrisy of it. God has told them what he wanted them to do. He gave them this list of to-dos, 
right? Render true judgments, show kindness and mercy to one another. Then he gave them a list of to don'ts, which is really a phrase we don't use enough, uh, a to don't list. Don't oppress the widow, the fatherless, the stranger, the poor. Don't devise evil in your hearts against one. This is what God said. God has told them, this is what you should do. This is, this is what I want you to do. Hear me. And the people didn't listen. And notice, it's not that they didn't, it's not that they didn't hear him, right? This isn't an accident. It's not like they accidentally didn't hear these things. Again, and so this goes back to what we looked at in Psalm 66. This is all intentional. Sin-stained prayers are all intentionally keeping sin. It's knowing what we should do and not doing it. It's knowing what we shouldn't do and doing it anyway. Because the people, they don't listen. They ignore him even more. They turn from him. I can't believe that they would do this. And then I go, I can't believe that's what I do with my sin. Because when God convicts me of sin, it's not any different. In many ways, it's, it's, I'm actually more culpable than them. Because the Spirit is telling me, here is the sin. It's not like, the, it's not like one of the former prophets like laying sin out for the people. I mean, go, yeah, I think I, I think I, I think I might be guilty of that one kind of. Uh, or go, I can't go, well, I don't even know any widows or fatherless. Uh, I haven't oppressed any. Like, in, in our, when God convicts us of sin, it's very clear. He's not, even using, he's not even using a former prophet to do it. He's giving us his word and his spirit speaking directly to our heart. You know, Chrissy, this is what you have done. Megan, this is your sin. Jerry, here it is. Chris, here, here's what you should be doing and you're not. Here's what you shouldn't be doing and you are. Very, very personal. So not even just judgment spoken to a nation. Israel, you're doing this. And you think you might be off the hook. This is, hey, you, you're doing this and we do the same thing. Because it says they turn their shoulder and they stop. This is like a baby. This is like a child that needs a spanking, right? And this is what's so great. God is actually being a good parent by not listening to them, right? Imagine if you had a child that you said, and I know none of us have ever experienced this before because our kids are great, but we're like, do this. And they're like, no. And then they stop their ears. What would you do? You'd be like pulling out the holy hand of the Lord to chase, chase their backside in love and to drive, to drive them to repentance, which is probably about two feet forward. Uh, so, I mean, that, that's what we would do. And the Lord does it. We certainly wouldn't go, Ugh. well, maybe if I listen to them, they'll listen to me. You know, that's not, that's not what the Lord does to us, right? So we have stopped our ears to him. We've turned his shoulder. This is what we do when the Lord convicts us of our sin and we don't want to do anything about it. It doesn't feel like that, right? It feels like a very mature battle of holiness, right? It's like, oh, it's, so, it's such a struggle, Lord, and I don't want to be these things, but it's so tough. And he's like, yeah, I've given you the power to conquer all of these sins through my son, Jesus Christ, like... Just do it. Uh, and we're like, but it's a battle. It is a battle. Here's the armor. Put it on. Wage the war. How about I just stop my ears? Nope, that's not, that's not what I'm looking for. Uh, that's not how you fight this battle. That's what we do. We are, we are, when we're not doing what God has said, we are turning our shoulders to the Lord. We're stopping our ears, but it doesn't stop our lips. It doesn't stop our lips from asking him to do stuff for us. And God says, when you do this to me, about your sin, you clog your ears, you turn your shoulders, you close your eyes because you can see it all over the word. 
you think that I'm going to listen to your prayers, you bunch of hypocrites. And it is hypocrisy. God telling us you're doing this and you're supposed to be doing this and us saying, no, thank you. But God, I've noticed you haven't done this for me. Could you do this for me? God coming and telling us you've been doing this and you need to stop. That's going, no, sorry, no, thank you. But hey, could you do this for me? Or you need to stop this that's going on in my life? It's absolute hypocrisy. And it's childish hypocrisy. In fact, the problem is our prayers aren't just ignored when we pray like that. Our prayers aren't just childish. They're not just hypocrisy. Our prayers are an abomination when we act like that. Sin-stained prayers are an abomination. Proverbs chapter 28 verse 9 If one turns away his ear from hearing the law, which is he just described, is going on in Zechariah, and which describes us when God, we hear God's word and it convicts us of our sin and we turn away from it and we don't. This isn't just saying, again, this isn't just saying be in church and hear the Bible. As I said, well, I heard the law. I mean, I didn't obey a lick of it, but I heard it on Sunday. That's not what this is saying. If, if God, if you can, in the same way that when God hears our prayers, it's not just that they're not getting to his ears. He's not doing anything about it. If we can hear the word of the Lord and turn away from it, even his prayer, it says, is an abomination. And it is not shocking that that type of prayer would be an abomination. Besides the fact that it is ignoring God, which would be very frustrating. But besides the fact that it's absolutely hypocritical, Think of, think of the root of what it is. Think about the heinous reality of God revealing our sins to us and us not listening and yet asking him to act. I mean, think of it, our sin, our sin that has corrupted his creation, our sin that cost him his son. Our sin that nailed Christ to the tree. That's what that, that sin that you're keeping, that's what that is. This is why someone who hears the law of God and doesn't do it and holds on to their sin. They see that sin. They don't, they don't kill it. They don't repent of it. They keep it. And yet they ask God, of course, that's an abomination to him. It would be like pulling one of the spikes out of the cross, treasuring it for what it did to Christ. Yeah, I'm going to keep that. But then being like, but God, let's talk. I mean, I love you so much. Our sin, we are the, the heinous reality of what our sin is should help us to see there should never reason that we should see our sin and not do anything about it. So if you and I are not listening to God, then we cannot be shocked that he does not listen to us. And so God does not listen. He does not hear those prayers when they are offered in that way. Next week, we'll talk about the prayers that God does hear. Hey, now it's just like, man, that was really heavy. Uh, You're going to go home all week and be like, well... This is going to be interesting prayer time, God. Uh, but go back to Psalm 66, because that's really the focal, the focal verse that I want us to have. Because that, I, think, I think it gets to the heart of what can be an undue danger in this. This, 
The anxiety that we have when it comes to prayers and our sin is that it's a sin we're not aware of. And, and really, let's be honest, that's not the problem. It's not like that you're praying and going, man, I really just can't think of anything that might be wrong ever anywhere in my life. Uh, and so I'm really, I mean, the danger here is if you see a sin, if you know of something that you're doing in your life that you need to stop and you're not, and yet you're going to God and asking him to do something for you. Or if it's something in your life that God says, you really need to be doing this. The scripture is clear. This is what holy living is. Not just what you don't do. This is what you need to be doing in your life. This is what I expect from you as one of my children. This is what obedience to me looks like. And you're looking at that and going, no. Whether it's a sin of, of commission or omission. If, you're, if you see those things that God has told you, quit doing this. Or he's told you, do this. And you are coming to him. You are ignoring that conviction of the spirit. You're stop, stopping your ears to the Lord in that thing that you know about. Do not think that your prayers are going to be heard by God. Do not think that you can turn a shoulder, stop an ear, and harden your heart like a diamond. And God, listen to your prayers. Now, the great thing is, the very same God that is convicting us of those things is convicting us so that we might what? Repent of them and then pray. So what do you do in this situation? Repent and pray. Repent and pray. We're going to see next week. Repent and pray with confidence. Repent and pray with joy. Because the reason God is showing you these things is the same reason he showed you that sin in the first place. It was to get you to either stop it, to stop doing in your life what you don't need to be doing, or to start doing what you do need to be doing. So let's be a people that don't pray sin-stained prayers. If you see sin that God has convicted you of, repent of it, obey, and pray, and do so with confidence. Let's pray. I mean, today, today we've, we've just looked at the danger of sin in, for our prayer life. And just take a moment to just ask God to, to show you any sin. And, but before you do that, even if, if there's a sin that he's shown you before, don't ask for him to add to the volume. Deal with that one. You know, sometimes in our fake piety, we can just ask God to show us more sin, and it's just stacking sin on top of sin. Like if there's a sin that you know you've, you've been supposed to get rid of or something you're supposed to start doing for a long time and you haven't done those, then, then do that right now. Repent. Repent that you have turned your shoulder to God. Repent that you have stopped your ears. And confess and know that he is what? If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That in Christ, in Christ, that sin is paid for. And, and the prayer that you can lift up to him is one of the greatest blessings we can have as part of our eternal life. So right now, if there's anything that you've been cherishing in that way, any sin that you've been seeing and not dealing with, don't move on. 
Don't think you can ignore it by just going to God with another really good sounding prayer as if that sin's going to go away because your prayer sounds so good. Don't think you can just leave it and, it and and it won't be an issue. It will sit and it will fester. And the first thing it will kill is your prayer life. It will rob you of that great blessing. Father, we come to you today and God, I pray that any sin that you have revealed to us right now, we would just be repenting of those to you right now and saying, Lord, forgive me for this. And Lord, I know, I know I've been supposed to be doing this and I haven't been doing it. And and I've made up all these reasons why. And, and Father, I, I want to obey your law. I want to hear your word and do it. And so, Father, I repent of that. And and God, I'm going to obey you. And now that 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 you've listened to him, now know that he will listen to you with joy. And if it's something in our lives, Father, we need to go, God, I, 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 I know I need to stop this and I haven't. Father, please drive the stake of conviction through that, even through our stopped ears. May, may, the, may the spike of your law pin our heads to the ground like the judge that it is. May it kill our sin. May it bust through even the diamond hardness of our hearts. May we repent and know that you will hear. I thank you, Father, for your conviction. I am so sorry that you can bless us with something like prayer and something so great as conviction and for us to ignore both of those things for us to not treasure them like we should. So, Father, please, please show us the danger of prayer stained with sin. Please help us not to cherish any of our iniquity, never to see sin and not do anything about it. And we're so thankful that you won't leave us in these things. We're so thankful that your spirit will not stop convicting us, but will always drive us toward our holification toward repentance and obedience, toward Christ-likeness, who is indeed our hope that all of these things will be done in our lives because you are our faithful heavenly father, even when we are faithless children. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.